1: Today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit Lisa.com/slash iHeart. That's lees com slash iHeart.
2: It's time for a big blue kickoff line.
1: Nobody can ever tell you that you
2: couldn't do it because
1: you're
3: right. On
2: Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime and the Giants Mobile app.
3: 1714 is the right. final.
4: One touchdown, we are world
2: of the Giants Podcast Network.
5: Let's
4: go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs, and have some
5: fun Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com, as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. And Big Blue Kickoff Live is now brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved, zero, never tasted so good. And you should be able to see the Pepsis on the desk here for those of you watching at home. How about that? We are stepping it up here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. I'm
3: so glad that we've got the video working again because had you said that before the video was working, the folks would have been confused.
5: They would have been confused,
3: but now we're putting two
5: and two together. The technology, the audio is cooperating. Isn't that great? We have interchangeable parts, yes. Now it's playoff time as well, and we're going to get into the Giants and the Vikings. They're going to get the Sunday 4.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff game, so they are the middle game of the three. On Sunday, we'll delve into that—a rematch, of course, from Week 16, when the Vikings edged the Giants 27-24 as a result of Greg Joseph's walk-off 61-yard field goal. But let's briefly talk about yesterday's regular season finale: Eagles did beat the Giants 22-16. Davis Webb started; they rested a bunch of starters, which we pretty much had anticipated. Going back to our conversation on Friday show, and this team fought. And I don't think that was a question, Paul. Everybody always examines, well, you know, what are you gonna get out of a team effort-wise? If you're not playing your starters, and those guys don't play hard, something's very wrong. These were the bulk of the players that were out there were individuals that were itching for an opportunity. Specifically Davis Webb, who's been in the league for several years. This was his first career start and He would be the first one to admit as he talked to the media in his postgame presser. Everything wasn't smooth sailing in the first half, right? They were down 16-0. But second half, things started to pick up, and he was able to run in for a touchdown. He hooked up with Kenny Galladay, as that was Galladay's first touchdown in two years with the Giants. And, you know, they fought all the way to the finish as they had an opportunity there for an onside kick at the end.
3: Well, you know, for me... It wasn't even about the effort question because knowing Brian Dable and knowing this locker room, I was totally in belief that they were going to give Philadelphia everything that they had. Now the question would be, with most of the starters not playing, how, how high a level could the backups reach? And I think it's fair to say, and we talked to Dave Spadaro on the pregame show on WFAN. And I had asked Dave, at what point do you think Philly would like to start getting their guys out of the game? Do they need to be two or three scores up? What's the deal? And he said, they he figured they had to be three scores up. Well, they got it up to 19-0, which was just about three scores, but not quite there. And then the Giants came right back and got a field goal. And that forced Philly, apparently, to keep most of their starters in. And they continued to play most of their starters all the way through because the Giants would not go away. Their guys were gritty and kept battling and fighting and scrapping. And once the offensive line, the kind of newfangled offensive line, uh, stopped allowing jailbreaks in the first half because Davis Webb was under incredible duress during the first half of the game, once they settled down and started to find a rhythm, The second half was a really good half for these Giants backups. I mean, they won the second half, you know, and and obviously came within uh, recovering an onside kick in a couple of minutes uh, in a one-score game. Look, I was in the locker room afterwards. The Giants Giants folks felt pretty good about the game yesterday. They came out with a positive vibe. Well, they should because guys got a lot of experience, and
5: once again, guys like Davis Webb and Kenny Galladay certainly pleased in terms of an individual production standpoint. But... You got rest. You didn't come out of the game with any injuries, which was also positive. So they'll have a fully healthy squad for the most part entering the Vikings game. And I know Adoree Jackson did speak to reporters in the locker room. He was asked, you're going to play next week. He wouldn't commit. But I said on the postgame show, he's taking a page out of Brian Dable's playbook because when I'm it comes sure to injuries, they don't reveal much of anything. I'm sure he is. But Adoree is going to be the player to watch now as we turn our attention back to the Vikings, Paul, because he missed the final seven games of the regular season. He didn't have that game to maybe brush off the rust if he is ready to get back on the field. And all of a sudden, a bit of baptism by fire for him going up against one of the best wide receivers in football in Justin Jefferson. It's not as if you get any picnics in the NFL. Don't miss my no. words. But you go from no activity in any games to
3: now the top of the mountain. No question. That's some adjustment. And it really doesn't matter whether or not Jefferson's able to uh, take advantage of that rust. He's going to be the guy. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Adoree Jackson is playing in Minnesota on Sunday, and he will give it his best shot. And I think we probably all agree that their chances are better with him in there, despite the rust and Moreau on the other side, than going with Moreau against Jefferson, which we already saw what happened last time when. Jefferson that went over 130 yards. Yep, so sort did of Hawkinson. And, and Hawkinson, you know, really took advantage of the linebackers and the safety. So it's not just the, the, the Jacksons back. It's also McKinney back in the lineup, too. You're know, you you're adding two very important pieces to this secondary, regardless of whatever rust they have. These are two important pieces. And by the way, don't discount the run support that both of these guys provide. Yeah. Extra benefit.
5: Well, speaking of the run support, I thought they did a decent job against the Eagles' rushing offense yesterday. Philly averaged four yards per carry. I'm talking about as a team. Granted, Boston Scott had another rushing touchdown, his ninth in eight games, and Kenneth Gainwell had a few big runs. Miles Sanders, 11 for 33, and Jalen Hurts, they did a good job against him, but I don't think Jalen Hurts was 100%, and I think the game plan was we're not running you, Jalen You're going to throw the ball. You're not taking on unnecessary extra hits. So I don't know how much to read into what they did against Jalen because I personally think, this is my personal opinion, I don't think Philly went in saying Jalen's going back to where he was before the game. I think that was pretty apparent based on his lack of aggressiveness in that department.
3: Two things to say about that. Number one, listening to some of the uh, casts out of Philly, Hurts is aching. Oh He's he's definitely not right. Okay, it, it, The optics didn't look great. And either. that's just too bad because the playoffs are here. And you're just going to have to push through. Well, that's why they needed the bye. Okay. Because they don't have to play him next week. All right. So, I'm not going to fully grade Hertz at face value off of yesterday because I don't think he's close to 100%. But close enough that they played him. And they had to play him for four quarters because the Giants wouldn't go away. So, that was a, a, an added benefit for the Giants, I thought. Now, here's what I will say. The Giants... With mostly reserves on defense, held the number one red zone offense at over seventy-one percent in the league to one for five in the red zone. Yep, just stymieing them at every twist and turn into field goals. Now you can tell me that Hertz isn't wasn't right, and that they were going to be a little more careful. He did have, I believe, they was credited with nine rushes yeah. in the game. for thirteen nine? yards, though. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, but see, here's the thing. Nine rushes for 13 yards is still nine for 13. I don't care if Hurts is right or not. It was his shoulder that's banged up, not his legs. No, but I don't think they wanted his shoulder to get hit, though, Paul. So, So <laughs> what thought. I'm saying is they weren't going to run him 15 times, but he still had nine carries and was not effective in doing so because the Giants' defense was very stout. I thought they did a very su- – they destroyed uh, Sanders. 30, car- 30 yards <laughs> on, like, 11 yeah, carries? 11 for
5: 33.
3: <laughs> I mean – Totally stuffed him. I think this Giants rushing defense, Jared Davis did a nice job actually too, just stepping in. Yeah, team high 10 tackles. But but they showed so much effort. They were very stout. They were very resilient. They were very gritty. And the 1-for-5 in the red zone, I do take some stock in that, despite Hurts not being 100%. Because you know what? It wasn't his legs we're talking about. And so I do think there was something to be said for that. that. Philly had their starters in. Giants didn't. And they they gave them a lot of fits. So, yes, I I do think there's something involved. No, and I'm completely
5: with you. Once again, that's why I start off with the effort taking that game to the brink. I just, the 9 for 13, I think you got to look back and say, was that to extend a play? And then go down because I saw a guy that was sliding and not looking like earlier in the season where he would take on contact Paul and look to maybe get three or four
3: extra. That might be the the new reality. He might have to be that way going forward, no matter how far they go in the playoffs. Because if he's aching and they, they said it on the morning shows, Hertz is is aching. He's in pain. I don't think he's going to be too anxious to be lowering that shoulder any time in the next month. No, and that's
5: why I thought that was my biggest takeaway from Philly, not to take anything away from the Giants. It's just to put things in perspective that maybe the dynamics of this Eagles offense does change if he's not even 85% to 90% coming into the divisional round.
3: I said since the whole offseason, Philly was the number one team in my NFC power rankings, not that I make them, but they they were my NFC pick for the Super Bowl. They're not now. They're not. I'm sorry. Just not the case. San Francisco is at the top of my NFC list for the power rankings. Well, they're playing better football right now. There's no question. Absolutely no question. Philadelphia was not very impressive yesterday. The, The Giants really sucked it to them. Yeah, well, and that's why I go back to what does this mean
5: for the Eagles moving forward? Not that the Giants are worried about that until maybe the opportunity presents itself to play them again. But Hurts' running ability is such a key ingredient in that offense. And that's why I think the Giants' defense was so successful because when you don't have to worry about Hurts running or passing on every play and he's leaning more on the running backs, it's similar to, Paul, the best parallel I could give you is the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens and the Eagles, to me, are identical where when Lamar is on the field, they are a completely different team Yes. and when Huntley's on the field or Anthony Brown who played yesterday against the Cincinnati Bengals because it takes so much strain off you as a defense in what you have to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. So if the Eagles don't showcase that facet of the offense mm. and you take away the Eagles rushing attack and now you become more of a pass happy team from Philadelphia's perspective,
3: you know, maybe you have a little bit more of a chance to contain them. It absolutely takes a couple of bullets out of their chamber, if that's the analogy that you'd like to use. And it it certainly makes them a hell of a lot less dangerous. Uh, I I will say this too, okay? Uh, On the other side of the coin, because I don't want to let this go unnoticed, Davis Webb played a hell of a second half And I thought it was a a really cool thing that they did for him to give him the start. I thought he played well. He navigated things well. He showed a lot of poise. It was a jailbreak in the first half. And he still managed to get out of the game with no sacks allowed. Because his mobility, by the way, I think surprised a lot of people. Well, he ran 14 yards
5: for a touchdown up the gut, and he took Reed Blankenship for a ride with him. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, it reminded me of, and I tweeted out the video of this. You remember week three against the Falcons last season, Daniel Jones on Grady Jarrett for a two-point conversion? That was the first play that came into my mind.
3: Well, for me, it was the debut that Jones had against the Bucs. On the quarterback draw when he ran into the end zone. Not because he barreled anybody over because they didn't on that play. Yeah, well, I was thinking of barreling a player but parted over. parted like the Red Sea and he just took I off. Took and sure. nobody was going to stop him. Yep, No, that's a good example of it did that for Davis Webb. Well, he did. saw the
5: alley and he was like, wow, his eyes grew bigger. But I was looking for the comparison of a quarterback taking on contact and saying, I'm not running away from this guy, I'm running into this guy. Yeah. And Jones did the same thing to Grady Jarrett. So that was the first thing. Well, that Webb was tonight. not
3: going to be denied.
5: No, not at all. No well, way. Listen, if you wait this long for your first career Absolutely. start. And highly unlikely you're going to get another opportunity, at least in the near future, you might
3: as well lay it all out on the line. Mm-hmm. And his family was there. So... It was it was, it was was a really good, feel-good kind of day for, for, for Davis Webb, in, fi- in spite of the fact that the Giants did not win. And he himself comes right out and says on the postgame press conference, especially in the first half, I didn't do enough yeah. to get us a win.
5: Absolutely. I mean,
3: he, he gets it, man. He gets
5: it. He's such a good dude. Yeah, that was the first thing he acknowledged during the presser, that he wasn't throwing a parade for himself, and they weren't getting the Canyon of Heroes prepared in New York City for right, his performance. Right, right. He was saying, listen, he was grateful for the opportunity, he could have played a better first half. You know, he even said he wanted to get Kenny Galladay more opportunities because he talked to him in practice, and he said, Kenny, you have one-on-one coverage. I'm, I'm going to give get you, you something yep. to work with. And, and he it did. did. It came all the way at the end of the game. And that brings me to something else that I want to get out of the way before we open up the phone lines, okay? Because I know there's a lot of callers that are going to now throw out a million, gazillion Kenny Galladay questions. Kudos to him. It was a great one-handed touchdown. It came against his former Lions teammate, Darius Slay. Similar to Davis Webb, it was one of those feel-good moments. Brian Dable, right, went after him and went next to him on the bench. They had a talk. You saw the teammates' reaction. All
3: positive takeaways, which I think speak volumes, of Kenny Galladay the person. And before you say anything else, in the locker room after the game... Kenny Galladay was not very celebratory. He was happy. He was pleased. He was proud. But first thing he said was, I was so happy for Davis because I know that was his first start. And I wanted to make that play for him. I mean, talk about, you know, selfless. And I think what that did was that emphasized
5: what we've talked about on this program a lot. This is not Kenny Galladay, the person. This is not a guy that has had an ego that has gotten in his way of production, at all. has nothing to do with that. So what I wanted to emphasize is Galladay played all 63 offensive snaps yesterday. He played hundred percent. That is miles away from what he normally had been getting in previous games, Correct. right, Paul? We would come on, we do every Monday show. You throw out, he played two snaps. He played seven snaps. I mean, the percentage is night and day. Yep. So the reason why I'm throwing that out is, this is not to take anything away from Kenny Galladay, but the reaction after a game like this is people are going to be like, okay, well, is this scratching the surface of what's yet to come? Did Isaiah Hodgins play yesterday? Did Richie James play
3: yesterday? Slightly only had three snaps.
5: There was a reason why Kenny Galladay played 63 offensive
3: snaps. Now, to be fair, Coach Stable was asked about that. And said, "Ken Galladay, During his Monday, he, yes, Zoom this session, morning, correct. Yes, Ken Galladay be part of the payoff mix going forward." And, and he says, "What was look, his reaction?" He said, "I'm proud of that guy. I'm proud of all my players, but I'm proud of Kenny Galladay." Then went on to say, "Let's see what happens at practice this week. He works hard, and we'll figure it out. So he's going to leave it open because that's what Coach Dable correct. does. That's his head-up. Yes, that's what Coach Dable does. But that catch you saw yesterday is what he used to do in Detroit." And is the very reason the Giants signed him. 50-50 balls. Now, we finally got to see it. God only knows if he gets two or three targets even this Sunday. If he plays 10, 12 snaps and gets two or three targets and makes one of those plays in a key spot, you think the Giants are going to be, you know, upset about that? I don't think so. I think they'd be very happy to have that if they could get it. And however long this postseason run goes, if Kenny Galladay should give them a couple of more of those, if we should see that again,
5: I think uh, I think they take it. Absolutely. Sure. But I think that's more realistic in terms of the playing time, which is what I was getting to, what you were referencing. He's probably going to return to his normal setting of snaps, is what I'm saying. I'd yeah. be stunned if he gets 100% of the Oh, no, snaps, no. I, that's I, my I'm, point. I'm
3: sure that's not going to happen. Yeah. But if if they can work him in and get him – Uh, Into some packages. Correct. Look at it this way. What you saw yesterday will at least give the Vikings or anybody else going forward pause for a second and say, okay, wait a minute. Uh, They did dust him off. He did find the ball, and he caught it for a touchdown, and it was a hell of a vintage Galladay grab they're going to have to take pause for a second. you, you You're not going to be able to just, like, discount him and ignore him if you're a defensive coordinator.
5: Well, and also, there's not a lot of film, even Brian Dable mentioned this, that you're watching since the last game. So, clearly, I'm sure that will pop out at them, having reviewed whatever they put stock in in terms of the Eagles game, and you'll have to account for some changes, maybe guys that got a few additional targets, just like the Giants, for example. They're now going to have to account for Irv Smith, Jr., the Vikings tight end who's missed the bulk of the season within the issue. He was activated from IR. So he now and TJ Hawkinson will be back in the mix. Right. And they're going to have to account for changes on the Vikings offensive line because yes. they're down their right tackle, Brian O'Neill, He's out for the season. And then at center, Austin Schlottman, who was filling in for Garrett Bradbury. He's done for the season. But I think there's a chance Bradbury does play this week. We're going to have to see the injury report because he's been out with a nagging back injury and they've rested him. But I think they've rested him with anticipation that maybe they can get him ready to go for the postseason. So there's changes on both sides, no matter how you look at it. And good coaches will say, okay, what was not on the field two weeks ago that we now have to account for coming into this week. And we know that game was ultra competitive. We spent an entire show breaking it down. I think the Giants, they look back at that game and they say, we had two drives where we coughed the ball up in Minnesota territory. We had a blocked punt and we had a dropped interception. So those are four opportunities there where the game may have swung differently. And the Vikings, they're probably saying to themselves, boy, we had Kirk Cousins throw the ball or drop back 52 times, 48 pass attempts, four sacks. Do we want to go into that game plan again? Or do we want to maybe test the Giants' run defense that has been up and down? So that's going to be interesting. And we're going to get throughout the rest of the week into much more details in the second matchup. But... Don't overlook the fact that there are changes, Paul. I guess is what I'm getting at on mm-hmm. both ends, so both the Giants as well as the
3: Vikings entering this contest. The uh, comment that's been made uh, on uh, CBS, I guess they're getting the information from the uh, me- media in Minnesota, is Bradbury could still manage to return in time for the divisional round of the playoffs.
5: What is this a report from today? This is from
3: this is coming right from CBS Sports as of. Uh, well, this is meaning when they ruled him out for week 18.
5: That's the headline of the story. So that was from yesterday. Obviously. Yes. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yes.
3: So they don't, they're not talking about the wild card round. They're talking about divisional round. All right. Well, we'll see. Like I said,
5: Kevin O'Connell, he threw out. I was listening to some of his recent press conference. Possible. You know, it's all about uh, like anything else. It's a back issue. Well, it's one of those back issues, though. You look great on Monday. You may not look good on Wednesday.
3: Since you're our Bull injury report translator, we'll leave that to you.
5: Well, no, I,
3: all, <laughs> all I'm going we'll with. See. All I'm we'll going see. is yes.
5: All I'm going with is what some of the coaches had mentioned in passing about Garrett Bradbury. Right. It's far from a lock, as we know, because once again, I go back to what I was saying before you had jumped in with a back issue you ask any player you could feel great one day oh I right? know. And you roll out of bed the next day no and all doubt. of a sudden you're a different guy so you know that's the one thing that they're going to have to monitor here moving forward
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week now through May 14th get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows that's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage Alanis Morissette Cage the Elephant Celeste Barber Dirk Spentley Fade Hootie and the Blowfish Janet Jackson Kids Bob Kids Megan Trainor Fistle Fluma Sarah McLaughlin Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
5: All right, so that is what is on the plate here with respect to the upcoming playoff game as well as some takeaways from the Eagles. Let's get a few reminders out of the way as well. The Giants Huddle Podcast, you make sure you subscribe there. Features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player, an exclusive sit-down with Bob Poppett, head coach Brian Dable, and an opponent preview of that week's opponent. You could search for the Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform, or you can listen on the Giants app as well as Giants.com slash podcasts. Giants fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. You can stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit giants.com/tickets. Limited inventory is available. Giants TV. It's the official connected TV streaming app. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. And the most important element before we open up the phone lines is that Big Blue Kickoff Live is now brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved, Zero never tasted so good. And once again, the most important thing to be observing if you are watching us as opposed to listening to us is the three cans of Pepsi Zero Sugar right in front of the football and the helmets. Take a very strong glance at that. The production team, Paul, I don't know if you're aware of this. Pearson, he can back me up on here. There was a team of about 17 people debating where they should place the Pepsi cans before the show started. You don't know what our staff goes through. I don't think you appreciate them enough.
3: No, I'm too busy looking at tape, actually.
5: Okay, well, I think you should take some time after the show just to once again look around the room and realize... All of the people that are I have great working respect for Pearson. I just I wanted that. to make that clear, especially to our audience, but most importantly to you. Thank you. Because I know how much around this time of the year you get consumed with film study <laughs> and preparation. All right. Let's return to Planet Earth here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Donnie is in Queens. He gets us going here on BBKL. What's happening, Donnie?
2: Well, it's great on a Monday morning after the final games, and I'll be talking about pink slips and mock drafts. Uh, or baggy so day for that matter, <laughs> a bit refreshing. Yeah, for yes, you, thank God for you guys because you know you guys have had a couple, couple uh, some couple tough years hosting the show. Uh, so appreciate all you guys do. Thank you. A uh, yep. couple quick, couple quick comments. Um, one about yesterday's game, then for next week. But for yesterday's game, two guys kind of stood out to me very quietly. Cordell Flott has improved mm-hmm. his play over over the last couple of weeks, and you know maybe not a factor. In the postseason but for next year definitely trending upward. Uh, also thought Lawrence Cager has earned himself a, a game day uniform. Not the best blocker, but does give us a little more pop in the passing game. Let's sure he was the leading receiver yesterday.
3: Lineup. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah and he, you know, he has a little more pop and then hey, you know, looking forward to the playoffs, it's it's not impossible. It may be improbable, but Lance you always say, you know, success is not necessarily linear. Things don't always translate, schedules changes, injuries, players age. So don't go into this just being happy we're here. There is nobody in the NFC that is unbeatable. There's tough matchups. There's more talented teams, but you take it one game at a time, one pass at a time, one fumble at a time, and anything can happen. So let's enjoy the ride, and uh, go Giants. All
3: right, Johnny. Appreciate the phone call. Can I add one more guy into that uh, mixture of folks that he was highlighting? Because Pinnock uh, had himself a bit of a stung shoulder and had to leave the game, uh, Dane Belton had a ball go through his hands that could have been picked. Then he did have an interception in the end zone. Yep. And remember now, during the last month or so, his playing time has decreased as Pinnock's has gone up. Well, now I don't know what Pinnock's availability is going to be. Coach did not address him today. But if Belton has to play more in the Vikings game because of the sub-packages that they may use, I suddenly feel a little bit better about the way he rebounded in getting the additional playing time yesterday than when he originally came out of the lineup about a month, month and a half ago.
5: Well, I think if you ask all of the players that got opportunities yesterday, they were reminded, hey, nothing's guaranteed week to week in this league. Go out there and ball. And I think a lot of guys did. They went out yeah. there... A lot of guys treated, I mean, let's face it, this was their Super Bowl, right, Paul? I mean, some of these guys, the playing time's going to completely decrease next Sunday when the starters are back and they're playing the Vikings. So there were a lot of players on the Giants' side that looked at this as
3: their one glory opportunity this season. Well, they worked hard. You know, Dable told all of them, at some point in time this season, we're going to need every one of you. And even if it came down to the final regular season game, guess what? They were needed. And I don't think anybody, anybody could dispute the fact that those guys left it all out on the field. In some instances, especially along the backup offensive line, you know, they had their issues. No question. I'm not going to, you know, say no. They were the first string Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, defensive line, you know, had some of their ways with the Giants' backup offensive lineman. But it wasn't because they didn't they didn't try. Those guys were giving everything they had yesterday. It was very admirable to watch.
5: Well, Philly's defensive line finished with nine quarterback hits. They only got mm-hmm. two sacks, as you mentioned. But the two sacks came against Lawrence Cager, who was attempting a pass on like a Philly special. And a
3: fake field goal. And
5: Jamie Gillen, yeah. So mm-hmm. Davis Webb did not get sacked. And remember, we were talking about this on the pregame. The Eagles needed five sacks coming in to break the Bears' single-season record in 84-72. They had 68, so they fell too short of it with 70. In fairness, though, they had the extra game. So, to me, the Bears are still the record holder because they only had 68, right, in 16 games, whereas the Bears had 72. So, I still would have considered Chicago the record holder, but right, you'd figure six sacks at least in each of the last five games going up against the backups – You're Philadelphia's defensive line, Paul. You're coming into yesterday's game. You're saying, we're going
3: to get this record. Again, a lot of credit to Davis Webb. He had a lot of uh, running around to do, especially in the first half. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people expected to see him get around that well. Well, he avoided and eluded would-be
5: tacklers, and that prevented them from getting sacks. Now, he had an intentional grounding on a play, for example, he but he got rid of the ball as opposed to giving Philadelphia opportunities, to your point. Mm-hmm. And that was a big difference. Let's reopen up the phone lines. We check in with Joe in Pennsylvania here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Joe?
6: Hey, guys. Uh, just looking at it all this. All Going on from yesterday and going on to the playoffs is just the cherry on top, you know. So, uh, really and truly, uh, yesterday, you know, I, I really was. I was happy with the way uh, our secondary played. Uh, the receivers, like Cager uh, and that, that was fine. But Webb did show me something, you know what I mean, really and truly. And, uh, um, uh, if you know with with better pass blocking, I'd like to see him with better pass blocking and having more time with the receivers. You know what I mean, working out with them. Then I'm I'm sure he would even be better, and he might open up somebody's eyes for. Uh, You know what I mean? To take them for a backup, you know? Seriously, they're... uh, Well, interestingly,
5: Joe, actually, he had an opportunity to go to the Dolphins a week ago because they lost to Teddy Bridgewater and Davis Webb decided he'd rather stay with the Giants. So, other teams are aware of Davis Webb. He's been in the league for several years. I don't know necessarily if one performance alone is going to change the minds of other teams, but he's already on their radar, especially if he got an opportunity with the Dolphins come calling.
3: You know, when you consider a guy like Hobbs was playing a must-win game for the Titans the other night, and, you know, Dobbs, he, you mean, he, yeah. Dobbs, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Dobbs. Yeah, I
5: was like, Hobbs? Okay. Well, Hobbs, I th- Dobbs. I was thinking of the hey, natural, yes. Robert
3: Redford in the natural. <laughs> uh, you can consider his journeyman status, okay, so, <laughs> let's face it, folks. There's not a lot of great backup quarterbacks uh, in the National Football League. No. And so it's not unthinkable to believe that if Davis wants to continue playing, uh, that he could A, stay here, or B, find another job. I, I, I honestly don't think his phone's going to go silent.
6: Right. Over what we had the last few years, I'm very happy. Is our uh, What's our backup now here? Tyrod Taylor. He, yeah. Is he signed for next year? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Webb's not signed, I guess. Then. Well,
3: well he they could bring him back. Yeah, if they I mean he was on a practice to. squad yeah, well, contract, right, like, so those yeah, are not yeah. multi-year deals. Right.
6: Right. Right. He shows that definitely he has the potential to be a backup there. Yeah. And uh, going into Minnesota, I don't know what what's gonna happen. Hopefully, you know what I mean. We we can do it there. uh... Put something on, on Jefferson and that to make it tougher and and their tight end maybe uh have our safety there on him because he made a lot of big plays too and I just got this feeling you know well I guess if we do if we win that game I'm pretty sure that Briscoe well they're supposed to take care of Seattle so we'd be right there back at the be- uh, at uh, Philadelphia, wouldn't we?
5: Yeah, well, Philly would have the lowest remaining seed, and that would be the Giants if the Niners knock out the Seahawks. Right. Yeah. So, well, let, let's yeah. get through the Vikings first. Let's right. see what happens, uh, Joe. I mean, you're, it, it, you're, you're, you're it, it, really it, it, getting ahead it, of here. You know, now I'm gonna...
6: not getting ahead of yeah.
3: Here's it's what right I will tell you, Joe. You... We're, we're going <laughs> to let you go, but here's what I will tell you, and Lance, I'm, I'm not giving out any trade secrets here. The Giants were well aware that they may have to play Philadelphia in two weeks. And so their game planning yesterday, albeit with mostly backups in the game, they certainly were not going to unveil any special really good Philadelphia, you know, centric types of plays yesterday. Sure. What you saw was a very vanilla. Well, and vanilla I think the Eagles approached it the same
5: way too, Paul, I would argue, cuz Sirianni spoke after the game and the media was pressing him on just the overall offensive performance and of game plan and he said, "Hey, our priority was we wanted to win this game, lock up. But we also were thinking about things down the road as well. I think both teams had that. Yeah, on they their had mind. to pull back sure. a little bit because yeah.
3: they knew they were in the playoffs. I mean, the seed is one thing, but they knew they were going to advance. Exactly. So, yeah, they definitely, uh, uh, shall we say, skimmed their playbook. And here is the thing: in terms of the point about the Vikings and Jefferson,
5: if you go back to the first matchup, and we just talked about some questions on the Vikings' offensive line, the best way to counter Jefferson, Thielen, and the tight ends is for your pass rush to win. And then you yes. don't put the onus on your corners, right? And your safety. So
3: that, to me, is going to determine the game. How successful can the Giants get after Kirk Cousins? Okay, so now think about this for a minute. The Giants played the Vikes a couple of weeks back. They didn't have Jackson. They did not have McKinney. They're now, we believe, both back. Leonard Williams left that game very early with a burner in his neck. Coach says he's supposed to be practicing at least on a limited basis on Wednesday. They also lost Oljolari very early in that game to a sprained ankle. He took this past week off, and Coach says he's expected to at least be limited at practice on Wednesday. So think about that. Second half, no Leonard Williams, no Oljolari. Very important factors to the Giants' defensive front, and now also you get McKinney and you get Jackson. That's basically four really, really good defensive players added to this mixture coming up Sunday in Minnesota. Just wanted to throw that equation out there for you folks in case you hadn't kept track. Well, and they had eleven
5: quarterback hits, regardless of all those movable parts, yeah, and, and four, they sacks. Had four sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what it comes back to. Now, with that being said, the Vikings still put up 27 points. So, you know, it doesn't end there. But if you're looking for – Block punt. To counter that,
3: block punt. Gave him a yeah, real short, short field. field. Sure. No,
5: absolutely. But I think it comes back to can they set the tone up front? They do that. You know, then Kirk doesn't have all the time in the world to throw the football down the field. And that's clearly going to change things under yeah. those circumstances. So, Former and, Giant news up there. Yeah. Well, I, do you really think that's surprising news?
3: It's not surprising, but he is he is about to turn
5: 71. He's one of those lifers. And we're talking about Bill Belichick. It's been confirmed he's returning as the New England Patriots head coach. I know a lot of you were on the edge of your seat. You were concerned. You were nervous. So I'm glad that we were able to break that news here on Big Blue King I Online. go back
3: a long way with Belichick, well, so I'm, I'm, happy to, I'm happy for him.
5: Well, I didn't even realize we had reason to be worried about him. How about that?
3: Well, I think anytime you get up in that 70 ballpark, it's a year-to-year thing. Yeah, I don't see
5: Belichick hanging the jersey up for retirement anytime soon. Let okay. me put it that way. Something tells me he still has the hunger and the itch factor.
3: Very well, Mike.
5: And that's why... I believe so. I'd say it'd be news if the Patriots all of a sudden <laughs> decided that they were parting ways with Bill Belichick. That's not going to happen. That would be something that would be completely different. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Rob is in Yonkers, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Rob?
6: Hey, guys. How are you doing? You're doing all right. What's how on your have? mind? Um, I, I should say today's a Monday
7: that the Giants lost and I don't feel angry at all. Well, they had nothing to
5: gain, so I'm sure that helps. No, 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 no. but I, I think I said, we played, we played so
7: good. Honestly, we lost, but I feel we played really good, a really good game. Um, so, I have to say, I think, we can beat, I think we can beat the Vikings because, again, we beat ourselves the last time we played them, so this time around, I think we could beat the Vikings. And if we make it past them, I think
5: we can also be as well. All right. Well, Rob, we're going to let you go on that note because it's very hard to hear you. It sounds like he's either in the middle of work or he's in the middle of an arcade or something like that. It sounded like he was de-icing a plane at the airport. <laughs> that could have been an option, too. Who knows? Maybe it does work for an airport. And that pretty much echoed the sentiment to the previous caller. It goes back to you and I talk about this all the time. Postseason plays all about matchups. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's about yes, are you playing your best football? Do you get reinforcements as you talked about? But how do you match up with your opponent? And styles make fights. Yeah, there's attractiveness from the Giants perspective because we talked about the Vikings' offensive line has some question marks and their defense has not shut down opponents. They're dead last in terms of total yardage. So all of those things bode well for the Giants, but can you take advantage of that? Can you capitalize off of that? So, for example, the Giants, they were able to capitalize off of that, but they also left opportunities on the field in the first matchup because of the turnovers in Minnesota territory. So that's how penalties. all of a sudden yeah,
3: things equate and come back to the middle ground. A couple numbers I just want to give you because I was doing some of the number stuff this morning. So Giants finished number one in the NFL in blitz percentage defensively at over 36%. Which, Which falls Dale. in
5: line with Wink. Okay.
3: Yes. They were, they were a fifth in the NFL in terms of pressures, percentage, uh, 23% pressures. Now, that involves uh, quarterback hits, quarterback uh, knockdowns, as well as sacks. Okay? That's how you affect an And that's what Wink talks about all the time. He's concerned about pressure percentage more so than he is actual sack numbers. But the Giants did wind up 13th in sacks, Lance. 13th. They had, they had 40. They did it. They they got got over 40. And, you know, that's always the number that I talk about. You got to be like in the low to mid-40s to be an effective pass rush. So they did do that coming on strong in the second half of the season. Yeah, specifically in the second half. Uh, 106 quarterback uh, hits, which was eighth in the National Football League. So, yeah, if you're the Minnesota Vikings – uh, the last thing in the world you want to do is face a team that's got that kind of force and ferocity in their defensive front. That is not, that is not, that's the one thing Minnesota doesn't want. They don't want to play a team that's going to throw some haymakers and put you in the jaw. The Giants do that.
5: That's why I wonder, just going back to the numbers from the first game, if you're Minnesota, do you look to establish the run a little bit more in this game? They only ran the ball 19 times, and it was a back-and-forth game, and they were leading also for a good portion of it, yet Kirk dropped back 52 times. Now, I know it's Kevin O'Connell's offense. He comes over from the Rams, you know, their style. So I'm not saying that they're going to completely abandon that, and you want to give opportunities to Jefferson and put the ball in your playmaker's hands, but – do you maybe work in Dalvin a little bit more on the ground? That, to me, is something to watch. And, oh, by the way, Dalvin went to the blue tent early in the game against the Bears yesterday, and there were all these reports. They didn't even give him an injury classification. He wound up coming back in the game. And then they held him out because they didn't even want to take a chance. So I'd be stunned if he pops up on the injury report as a major concern. It looks like he's going to be fine with respect to that. And here's the other thing, by the way. I know when it comes to the playoffs – when there's injuries on opposing teams, you're not going to complain. But I think for the sake of conversation and narrative, you want to play a team at its best because you don't want there to be some questions about, oh, you got this team when they were not fully healthy. I think if you want to prove to the world that you're legit, you bring on their best punch. That's at least how I look at it. Maybe you know everybody else is looking for breaks here or there, but if this time of the year, I think you want to prove that you can match up against the full force of the opposition.
3: I look at it. You, you play who you play when you play. Oh, you have no control over and it, of course. that's Yeah. You, but, put, you, you go against who's put in front of you, and it's your job to do your best to get through them. And that's the name of that tune. That's
1: it. Madison's not bad either.
3: Yeah. No, he's a solid backup. Absolutely. Had two touchdowns yesterday.
5: Yeah. Well, because once Cook was going to the blue tent, they said, we're not risking this. Now, he only got right. four carries against the Giants, so... Is that another guy that maybe they look to work in a little bit more? The other thing to take into consideration, too, as I was reviewing just the statistical trends from that game, Cook got three catches for 13 yards, and we've seen him be a little bit more explosive, and Madison didn't even get any touches in terms of the receiving game. So Cook and his opportunities... Do the Vikings look to get him a little bit more involved? That well, to me is something to watch.
3: But see, I'm okay with the trade off because if you're going to give him more touches, it might mean less for Hawkinson and Jefferson. And if if that's the trade off, God bless. I go to the old Belichick theory, you know, against the Bills in the Super Bowl. Let the running back run for 100 yards. I'm not going to let those other sure. two targets in the passing game beat me. Well, and that's
5: why it depends on also what the Giants are thinking because if a Dorian McKinney are back, does that mix things up for Wink? Does that give him more flexibility? Mm-hmm. Does he not put an extra guy in the box because he thinks he's got good coverage, guys? Well, That's the game of chess. And if That's he's going got old Jalari
3: coming off the edge, you know, which, again, he lost him early in that game, all of a sudden, maybe, uh, you know, that changes up your, your your schematics, too, because you know old Jalari can get heat on his own.
5: Let's head back to the lines. Rich is in Virginia joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Rich?
1: Good afternoon, my favorite two, BBK Ellers. How are you today?
5: We're doing very well. How's it going?
1: I am definitely watching you guys, and I couldn't help but notice, and I have to ask about the Pepsi cans. Are those leftovers from John Myers' giveaway last year at
5: MetLife? No, they are not. They are fresh. They just came out of the fridge. I saw the production team take them out of the fridge. They were polished, cleaned. No, there are no rumors whatsoever to be spreading. This is a fresh batch that was just delivered.
1: That's uh, terrific. I would think nothing of the best for you guys. There you go. Uh, like everybody else, I, I was um, the three of us. You know, have a conference call, uh, three different states watching the games, and we all expected we'd get killed yesterday. But absolutely credit to the coaches and the players for those kids that were out there yesterday. Third and second teamers just played absolutely tough with the number one seed in the in the NFC to the uh, to, you know the team that has given us fits for years. And I was really impressed with uh, Gates at center, Flot, and uh, even even Davis Webb. So, and happy for for Kenny Galladay and Webb. That was terrific. I have a question for you, Paulie. I assume you were at the game. Yeah. We noticed, uh, and we wanted to get your feedback because you were there. To us, it seemed like Webb's passes just didn't have the energy that DJ's has on his passes, and some of those passes were really close to being picked because it seemed like the ball was getting to the receiver slowly. What are your thoughts from being there physically at the game?
3: Well, I know what you're talking about. There were two or three that looked as though the defensive backs had a chance to make a play on them, and they just didn't. In fact, there was one where ball went right through the DB's hands and Cager plucked it out of the air. And and it was like the whole stadium was like, ooh because they thought they were getting the pick. And Cager wound up taking it into the red zone Uh, to say to say that Davis didn't throw the ball with as much authority. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I didn't clock it. You know, I don't clock the velocity of their throws. But but to be frank with you, I thought Davis threw a pretty good ball yesterday uh a a number of you know he throws a tight spiral he can throw it long he can throw it short he can throw it across the field davis's arm is really not a question i would not consider him a, a below average arm by any stretch of the imagination in fact i think he's got an above average arm now did he have as much zip on some of the shorter the medium range throws Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I, I didn't notice it. It wasn't that obvious to me. I just thought the Philadelphia secondary, which has been good all season. And yeah, number one against the Okay? Pass. Yeah. they They anticipate throws very well, and they close very well. Oh, yeah. So I think that's probably kind of more of what you saw. Well, there was one throw by Webb where
5: Marcus Epps, the Eagles mm-hmm. safety, he ran essentially the route. I believe yes. it was Kenny Galladay. Yes, he literally beat Kenny Galladay to yes. the spot. Yes, and Davis Webb he threw it right to Epps. Epps just couldn't hold on to the well, ball because but, that's a spot throw. Yeah, I mean that was an interception waiting spot to happen. Spot
3: throw. Yeah. So I I don't I don't think that I would concur with uh, with the uh, characterization of Webb having a lackluster arm.
1: Okay, well, I appreciate it because you were there. We are, as I told my colleagues, you know, we went through this since the early 60s. And enjoy every minute of this week with every podcast and, and everybody because it's, you know, it's it's not often to get in the playoffs. So one last thing, too, for the people who um, maybe not as experienced as us, and just flashback to 2007 and 2011. Just for those fans, remember, it's not the best team that always wins in the playoffs. Sure. It's the team that's playing the best.
5: And also can execute, too. Because remember, that Packers playoff playoff game that people forget, in 11, Green Bay was the best team in turnover differential. Right. And all of a sudden, they had one of those games where they coughed the ball up Mm -hmm. nearly as many times as they did the entire season. So you have some of those out-of-character performances. We've seen that.
1: Well, I think yesterday is a tail of the tape because, you know, they showed a lot of heart and character like all year. And uh, we're just, you know, I'm just tickled pink. I'm enjoying every second of this. Love the show. Keep up the good right, work Rich. and have a great week.
5: You got it. You me. as well. Appreciate the phone call. it has got a whole conference call. I wonder if there's a Zoom session involved in that. Do they get on the computer screen? Do they do it over the phone? I'm fascinated. Next time we have them on, we have to ask follow-up questions. Maybe there's other Giants fans that want to jump on. That conference call. Sounds like in. he
3: wants to steal our game day ratings. Well, apparently he's running his own <laughs> podcast. Yeah,
5: he's running his own podcast with his boys. They just don't broadcast it to the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I could have envisioned them in a Zoom session having visual aids, breaking down film. You should get involved with that, Paul. I, Your I, people should talk to their people.
3: With all due respect, and I have no idea how old he is, but they don't claim... Well, he pr- said, what, they've been doing it since the 60s? Yeah, I they claim to go passion. back to the Tittle days. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing the... Uh, The Muppets, who used to sit in the balcony of the theater during the Muppet show. Yes. And just, like, crack all kinds of Weisenheimer jokes and laugh and make fun of people and kind of goof around. That's what I'm picturing.
5: Well, but if they've been going back to the 60s, see, this is what's so fascinating. We need to peel back the layers of this real quickly before we move on. They obviously did not have the computer when they started, so I could see it was a true
3: conference call. In those days, they called it a party line. On the phone, you could have a yeah. party line where people on the same block would actually be on the line with you. So in effect, it was a conference call. You could have—that's way before your time. Yes. Well, you're the one dating yourself on this program. Well, not me, okay? I'm just
5: being well, informative. Well, you could have also taken two cups and a string, and that would have been very effective yes. too, from what I'm told. Or in back my in the case, day.
3: I can just yell.
5: Well, yes, but everybody doesn't have the same level of projection. No. As you do, so you're in a league of your own.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
5: With respect to that. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Let's check in with Thomas in Florida joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Thomas?
4: How you guys doing? Hi. Go Big Blue. All right. <laughs> Go Big Blue.
5: Absolutely. Um, so what else you got man. for us?
4: Hey, um, buddy, the way you break down the game of football, man, I'm surprised you're not a football coach, man. It's like you break down the game of football, and, and, and it's like so, so – it's like a lot of people don't even see the valid points that you it'd be like when you have to explain them, like, it's just football, man. You got to just watch it, you know?
5: Who's, who's he talking but, about? Are you talking about you I'm or me? Say, Thomas, who are you talking about with respect to that? Paul Frank, Frank. Or me? Who? Huh? Who,
4: who,
3: who are you referencing? I didn't that hear
1: it. How? Lance or Paul?
3: Yeah, I thought he was talking about Howard Cross or, uh, no, uh, or, or John Casillas. Yeah. That's no, what no, I no, thought no, he was no. talking about.
4: No, I, I, was, I was talking about land. land. Oh, okay. Well, listen, okay. I, I, I just, appreciate... I just, I just-
5: I appreciate the kind words. I, I can tell you, I'm more than content with the broadcasting gig as opposed to the coaching gig. So I, I, I will, I will keep that in consideration. Yeah, I will yeah. speak to my representatives, and I'm glad that you do receive value out of it. How
3: that. much did you pay him for that, by the no,
5: way? We we we've been handing out tons of cash over the last few days to finally get somebody to break through on the lines yeah. to say that. So Thomas, I'm glad that Go we're able to get you the flow of things. But no, continue. Yes. Yeah,
4: thank you, buddy. Thank you. So um, I want to say this because I don't I don't want to talk about the season passed because we went to the new season and it's it, it all focused on Minnesota. But it, it's, it's a couple of things that people forgot against the Minnesota game. We had dropped interception. Fabian, yes. Fabian Maru had an interception. It was called Battle Fabian Maru interception. We had the uh, the Bellinger fumble. And then we had the uh, interception in, in the uh, red zone. So it's like four times we shot ourselves in the foot, you know? Well, so, had the one and that, and that, that hit I, the and ground. I feel real,
3: Yeah, no, look, seven penalties. I I mean, yeah, It's look, there's no question which team played better that day. The Giants were the better team that day, okay? But there were several key players, uh, key mistakes in the game, as well as, I thought, rather sketchy officiating. But having said that, it is what it is. That game's in the books. It's over. It is what it is. I'm sure the Vikings did not want to play the Giants this week. I'm pretty sure of that.
4: No, 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 no. And, 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 and to be honest with you, the way that Coach ball got our guys playing, I don't care who we play because they're playing, they're clicking at the right time at the season. They're clicking at the right time. And I'm so glad that Daniel Jones can hush up all the critics because he's our quarterback. Daniel Jones is our quarterback. I repeat, Daniel Jones <laughs> is the New York Giants Quarterback.
5: And they're going to need him and on Sunday against the Vikings. Phone. Thank you. You got it, Thomas. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for uh, giving us a ring here. With respect to the matchup, listen, we were referencing all of that earlier in the program, that you go back and that game was for the taking. I think most people, whether you have an invested interest in that game or not, you would say it was there for them to wrap it up. And it goes back to situational football. Right? Timing is everything. You can outplay a team, Paul, right? Overall, you look at the Vikings, you look at the Giants' total yardage. Giants had nearly 450 total yards in that game. But does it translate to points with the game on the line? Do you take care of the football? Do you finish drives? That's what separated both teams, right? The Vikings got in position for the 61-yard field goal. They finished. The Giants earlier in the game did not finish those drives,
3: and that's essentially what came well, back to bite they, them. But there was a very costly Bellinger fumble in positive territory. You yeah. can't
5: forget that either. Yeah, well, and, and, and Patrick the, Peterson interception too. Peters, they were knocking on the door
3: there. And, and the thing about it is the Vikings will not blitz much, okay? They're going to send their standard defensive unit and standard defensive scheme out there. They're not going to send a lot of extra heat. And they play a ton of zone. A ton. Daniel Jones eats zones for lunch. This is why we told you when that game was played a couple of weeks ago, the Giants had a really good chance of pulling off an upset. And yet they shot themselves in the foot and gave the upset away. That, that, that game more than any other game during the course of this season is the one that I would be most frustrated about as a Giants player because they gave that game away against a playoff caliber team on the road under very difficult circumstances. That that's that's one that I believe they should feel redemption over. And I think they're going to get it.
5: And the other play that's noticeable is Richie James's drop on a 3rd and 5. That came with 6.33 to go in the fourth. It was a
3: 17-16 game. He had two drops in the fourth quarter. Both of them would have been first downs.
5: Because you look at it from the standpoint of, I don't know how that drive's going to end. I mean, we could sit here. You don't know that. We just know that you're milking more clock, right? So, now maybe the Vikings don't have as much time to get in field goal range or whatever at the end of the game. That's how that really takes a toll on the contest. So... All those things, they add up in the end. That's why we recap these games every Monday. It's the little things that can come mm-hmm. back to bite you. you got to avoid them, especially around playoff time. No doubt. Let's head back to the lines. Wilson's in Roxbury. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Wilson? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon to you.
7: Um, hey, listen. Uh, I was glad that Brian Daveau, uh you know, didn't get influenced by anything and did the right thing. Because if I heard one more time, 2007, and you prayed to win the grain stuff, I mean, I was gonna jump out the window, man. I mean, <laughs> well, it's a completely I mean, it's different team. Yeah. you know, some t- t- you know the old timers, the old timers that call you not for you know. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but you know, I mean, you gotta give it a rest, you know. Oh, you played to win the game. Wah, wah. I mean, come on. Um, another thing, real quick. Well, hey, I'm glad I made. I'm glad I made you laugh,
3: Paul. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm in a great good. mood this morning, man. It, it, <laughs> so yeah, just yeah, keep going for like, it. it.
7: Hey, listen. On uh, Kenny Galladay and, uh, and the Minnesota, I, I was uh, I'm, I was happy for Kenny. I mean, whatever happened to him, and but I was happy. I was happy for that moment at least. He got one, you know. He got to smile a little, you know. And um, and and the Vikings, for the first time in a while, I feel that we're going to a game where you know everything doesn't have to be perfect for us to win. I think, I think for me personally, we have the better quarterback, and I think overall, I think we probably have the better team overall. Now we see it as, as a team. I think we have the better team, and uh, I think uh, if we win, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it an upset at all. I mean, what do you think?
5: No, well, here's the thing: the Vikings uh-huh. are 11 and 0 in one-score games this season. That's an NFL record. Mm-hmm. The Giants are. What are they? I think eight, two, and one in -hmm. one score games. So 19 games combined between both of these teams were decided by one score. That is unreal. If you put both of those teams then in a playoff matchup, yeah, if either one of them wins, it can't be an upset because they've walked that tightrope the entire season. Nobody's run away with things. Nobody's blown out anybody. They've won a lot of tight affairs. So, yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment.
3: This will be, and I was in Minnesota for that game a couple of weeks ago, and it really does get loud. It is difficult. Yeah. It's a very intimidating Sure. Place to play with they the whole up like skull and, yeah, sure. and the, yeah. the oh, big right. drum they hit, oh, bang! Yeah. And, oh man, I'm glad you gave I, us the sound effect. It's yes. it's quite it it it's quite a uh, an atmosphere to to play in. So but, but my, you know, I don't if the, look as much as I believe, and I have tremendous confidence in the Giants being able to win this game. To think too, that too. it to think that it's going to be easy would be really yeah. foolish. No, no,
7: not easy, but what I'm saying is...
3: they got to I mean, play their man. best ball. But if the Giants play their best ball, I think they'll win. But they got to bring exactly. their A game. Of course. Well, yeah, it's the playoff fall.
7: You have to bring the A game all the time. But what I'm saying is, you know, I, I don't look at Daniel Jones. I, 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 the past three years of Daniel Jones, I throw him out the window because uh, you, 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 you,
3: you cannot... You He's couldn't a different with quarterback. Jones. He's not the same it's guy. A
7: different, it's, a, it's not the same guy. And, uh, exactly, Paul. And uh, with the ball, with the game on the line, I trust him more than I I trust uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I mean, he threw some ball. The last game, he threw some balls for. Mm -hmm. I mean... He uh, does uh, it every uh, game. Cousins does it every
3: game. He's going to give you interceptable throws. He does it it, it every game. Exactly, exactly.
7: And I I think Daniel Jones, he might... I, I, I can just see him just scramble for a first down or a touchdown they will be a backbreaker i mean i'm hoping but i, I really do for the first time in a while i think that we're going into a game where we actually have you know i i think we're the better team uh, and and you know the ball can bounce every way whatever but i think i think we're the better team and and i really do think that uh, uh that we're going to come up with the victory obviously, All right. obviously the, the, well the pre- appreciate
3: talking to me yeah thank a- you guys. appreciate the phone call, Wilson. I'm sure we'll hear a ton of those kinds of calls all week, just like the Minnesota programs will hear a ton of sure. calls in similar fashion on the other side all week. Well, I think both teams have a reason to feel good Absolutely, about because this, this yeah. in all honesty, you could make a very strong case it's a toss-up game.
5: Yeah, but I still think it goes back to, and I had the same conversation leading into the initial Vikings game, that this Giants offense, they need to continue what they did in that game and the Indy game. And this was why I was a proponent of playing some starters against Philly because you want to continue to say you could go out there and throw for, not throw, but pile up 300 some odd yards and get four or five touchdowns. That volume has been going up over the last two games. I don't think the Giants are in a position where they're going to expect their defense to hold everybody to under 20 points. And all they're going to need is a 20 to 17 victory. You know, there no. could be another game like this where it's, 27-24 or 30-27. to yeah. It could very well play out that oh, way, yeah. which means it goes back to the offense. You want to see them pick up where they left off in that Indianapolis game.
3: It should take at least middle 20s, high 20s, maybe even low 30s to win this game. Yeah, I mean,
5: look at the Vikings overall on the season, and we talked about all of these close games they've played. You know, the Bills, 33-30. to The Colts, 39-36, to and that was a unique game. They were down by a lot. The Giants was right near the brink of 30.
3: Lance, it's not a 17-14 game is what you're saying. Correct, exactly. I agree with you. No,
5: I'm not not arguing with you. I'm just saying that if the mindset is that with McKinney and Adoree back, that they're just going to all of a sudden shut down everybody, I don't see that coming to fruition is my point. I still think the onus is on this Giants offense to produce like they did late in the season. I concur. All right, that is going to wrap up. Things for us here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder, the program is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. It also never looked so good, as you can see here on the visual aid with the screen. Yes, please hold it up before we wrap up. There you go. Paul's hands, too. Notice that. I mean, that's tremendous, Paul. You've been practicing. I am never so proud of you in terms of your versatility that you're showcasing here on this program. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants platforms everywhere, as well as Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be up and running again on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Tuesday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.
0: Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit livenation.com concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.